Let's start. Here we go. How are you? It's good to see you. You too. Um, and I am good. Yeah. You're looking good. This, thank you. You too. The pandemic works for us. And I don't know. <laughs> no, terrible. no, but it's funny because we're doing this podcast on this theme. And so it's good, but it's also challenging. And the, I hope that this podcast can kind of identify some of that um, juxtaposition of like, you know, living and doing, carrying on and being joyous, but um, meeting challenges for that are very real and, and new in some ways. So when no, you think, totally right, true. so it's not just I'm good. I'm, it's, you know, there's some challenge in that good to work for it in new ways. Wait a second, wait one second. I know what was happening before. Okay. I know why it was, um, why they could hear your echo. Okay. It wasn't you, it was me. Okay. You weren't on my AirPods. So everybody listening, Clubhouse, I've got the tech, see, I'm, I you know, can teach an old dog new trick. All right, so now you're on my AirPods and they shouldn't be able to hear you echoing. Okay, cool. So, but anyway. Very nice to see you, and I'm I'm happy we're gonna we're gonna wrap here. I know this Yoga Sutra. When you asked, it was the first one that came to my mind, which shouldn't be a surprise because I'm a flippin' writer. I mean, words are my thing, right? If you <laughs> you know, because you've received emails from me, I tend to be wordy anyway. But I also choose my words often I try to yeah. and actually speaking is harder for me because written I feel like I can be a lot more clear with my words mm -hmm. than spoken sometimes something will slip out and I'm like oh that's not what I meant you know what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so why don't you explain yoga sutra three well it's okay well, seven. all right so um well so for one thing, I, um, I always look at a sutra in um, two distinctly different senses. Uh, and one is, is I take it to, the mo to, to what I call its lowest common denominator, right? It's like its most ordinary, its most um, practical, it, its most worldly, and in a sense, you, you could say, or its widest um, interpretation possible. And uh, be, because I'm trying to get, use it, right? But, but and then on the other hand, th this, these things, every sutra is very deep, very profound. And it's pointing to, it's, it's an exploration of the mind and of the workings of the mind and consciousness and um, from the, the, the whole spectrum of consciousness and it's and it's looking at spiritual consciousness really and so so and when you look at when you try to see the spiritual consciousness it can get very abstract and um, difficult to understand and so that's why I like using both like finding what's the most what is this saying just like 
in an ordinary sense. And then what are the real possibilities if you really dig into the words and the Sanskrit and how the different um, philosophical schools and stuff are using the terms. And so for me, the, the most ordinary um, Swami Sachit Dhananda is a beautiful person to present you with that. And I love his interpretation of it. And I'm gonna read it to you of this sutra. Um, so he says simply, the sutra means a word, its meaning, and the idea behind it are normally confused because of the superimposition of one upon the other. And so by a sanyama on the word, so sanyama just means a deep study of the word or sound produced by any being, knowledge of its meaning is obtained. Okay, and so... So those three words, though, are very uh, deep. Shabda, uh, Artha, and Pratyaya. And so, but he breaks them down into the, uh, the, the word, the meaning, and it's uh, the idea behind it. Okay, and so, and that's what, like, we, Peg and I, we talked the other day, and we just really got um, fired up over... The, like we, we started with the word normal, right? And your, and your yeah. recent writing and how you wrote like, and it's a kind of buzz thing that people, some, it's like, peop, some people are like, I can't wait to get back to normal. And, and then, and other people are going, what? Getting, freaking out on that statement saying, we, they're saying either they don't like the past normal. And so, we don't need to go back to that. In fact, we need to go somewhere new. Um, but then, and your point, you had several cool points in your writing. And one was just to, trying to like, what is normal? And like take, and, and that it doesn't really exist in a way that, and you can see it in nature that because there's constant change that the idea of what we would think of as normal, like, like you had the seasons kind of in there so that when there, when it's fall, it gets colder and then it snows in the winter and like these sort of- Except in Montana. Yeah. And because it we only have, yeah, except in Montana, because we- <laughs> No, but except for everywhere. There's always anomalies. Except for everywhere. Yeah, yeah there's always anomalies, right? And, mm -hmm. and so, so then, um, but, and so what we're really looking at then is that it's, a, it's such a, it's like what I love about this sutra is that it, it makes exploring the words that you use and the assumptions you make about them central to your practice, okay? And this is so important because we're constantly, that, that we're constantly kind of, going on pre-assumptions and um, habits and kind of um, conditioned responses to everything, to, to, to the words we're using, um, to, and, they, and that translates into like what we do on the mat, so how we do our postures, how we breathe, uh, how we think and respond and act. And, um, and so, so what, and what it's saying is that those are confused because we don't really study 
where we get confused and we don't, and we're not able to uh, get, listen, hear what the, the whole world is saying to us. We, get, we don't understand because we're, we've confused the, the word, the meaning, and the idea that we have behind it. And so we've got to like take the time to separate those different things out and, and really um, analyze them. It was so interesting. Megan and I were doing a course and I wanted to use the word mistake. I think I was just saying like mistakes are part of the process or don't be afraid to make mistakes or whatever. Whatever way I was using it, Megan said, ooh, can we think of another word other than mistake? And I was like, why? Because everyone makes mistakes, like mistakes are part of it. And she said, it really brings up people. It, it triggers an emotional response when you say mistake. And people don't like the word itself will trigger something. So we did a little experiment. And when I said to the class, I was going to use the word mistake, they immediately responded with what Megan had said. And that is, ugh. like, it just, it, it immediately took them someplace emotional. It had, it was not, um, it was a, it was an unconscious in some ways reaction that you became conscious of, but it wasn't really broken down. And that's where this whole idea that the word, the meaning and our perception of it get all confused. And we have a reaction that isn't always conscious or deliberate or distinct or clear. Yes. And like when we're thinking about communicating, if I use the word mistake a lot with people and I might be thinking of it in one way, I think of it as a very positive thing. It's, it's, it's how we learn. We make mistakes and actually that's how we grow. And I think that's what I was saying was like, that's a part of the learning process is kind of recalibrating after those. So I was like, we're thinking of other words. We we're trying to find agreeable words, missteps, um, Trial and error, I think is what we came up with. Trial, it's a constant process of trial and error because mistake had emotional baggage with it. Yeah, yeah, well, and, even, and, and obviously so does normal for a lot of people. <laughs> obviously. Right, and, but see, but the thing is, is to me, it's a very um, delicate uh, conversation that, that, and uh, that because we have to be careful that like, because many, there's words that are becoming like, sort of taken off the table, like mistake or ideal or um, standard or normal. And they, and they, because we have these negative associations with them, right? And, and so, but we don't want to diminish our language keeps getting smaller and smaller right and um and so so and this is part of what i feel like the sutra is getting at it's like um sort of and this is what we're trying to talk about here but it's challenging to talk about right because and um so but let's go back to your i the the word mistake again because um to me, it's something I've worked on really hard in my um, teaching because I, I definitely notice that sort of, um, I call it like there's the, there's sort of, a, I, I, I put it in these really um, crude terms at first, 
but it's like no versus yes. And, um, and so a mistake is, pointing out a mistake is a way of saying kind of no, that's not the way. And, um, and to me, you, just like you, I'm agreeing with you, you, you can't just remove pointing out the wrong way. Like if you do that, it's such a limiting thing. But at the same time, then you, I'm still, I've worked so hard to be aware of, okay, if I'm gonna say no, then what is yes? Or how, how do I articulate what's gonna, what we're gonna do on the new try? And um, what's the correction? And so you don't just stop with no. And you and me, we have a history, right? Remember the no pig? And oh my God, yes. Yeah, and, <laughs> but, but, and that was some years ago. And I really yeah. turned that around because it doesn't, I feel like in the end, it, it, it might be totally true that it's no, but, but still you want to, you want the person to hear your guide, give, receive your guidance. And so, so you've got to figure out a way to um, point out the yes without diminishing the, the learning, basically, right? Because if, yeah. Well, I think what I'm hearing is that, or, and, and also, what I've experienced is that our initial, we have to be conscious of what the word, the meanings, the word holds and various perceptions. Like as a teacher or a counselor, or even a human being in a relationship, we want to be aware of the words that we're using and what they might conjure for other people as well. Not that we would take them out, but that we can have even, to me, I don't see it as getting narrower. I see it as getting bigger. Use different words, find mm -hmm. different ways of saying things. Yeah. So what you're saying is, okay, the no isn't resonant. Like that's, that's bringing up a, maybe an emotional reaction, even though, yeah, you do have to kind of, we are recalibrating all the time. Part of it is, you know, making mistakes and yeah. figuring out, I mean, sometimes the best way to find a better way is to find the wrong way. We know that's not the direction we go a different way. I mean, yeah. those are, those are good things, but the words we use around them by, by being conscious of various perceptions and meanings and what people are thinking when you say it just forces us to use other words too to make it to to that we can expand our own vocabulary it's one of the good things is like robert and i were talking about it before i got on the phone call with you we were talking about our first word which was discipline and he and i were going back and forth and he said something what he thought it meant and i rephrased it back to him what i thought i heard him say and he said yes but and he got a little bit more clear and he added more. So I got a better understanding of what he, the picture he had of discipline in his mind, what he was trying to convey so that I could understand yeah. the language, right? And so clear, clarifying and bringing clarity, it allows us to grow our toolbox because I think sometimes we use words and we assume, because words are great because they can encompass a whole lot of different meanings and we can they're efficient you know you can use a word and it, it conveys something but but then we get lazy we use the same word you know or yeah. and and we don't realize the very many meanings that that's for other people and then for us we also have to be aware of what they're triggering in us like 
the first reaction of a word, especially a triggering word, is an emotional reaction. So it's not even from the brain. It's not even like the definition. It's like how it makes us feel based on a, an old experience usually. And discipline is, I think, well, let me just say this. I think normal is actually happening. I think people are really anxious about going back to normal because the, the, we got a new normal now. So we got a new routine and a new thing. And now we're like going back, which doesn't seem normal at all. It seems actually kind of foreign because we've traveled away. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, anyway, <laughs> so the word normal is, 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 is triggering people's anxiety over change again. Um, yeah, and but discipline is a good one. Okay. So let's, I, I want to break down like discipline for, for a moment, just like because okay. because it's so um, connected to practice too, like tapas is the Sanskrit word that's sort of equivalent to discipline. And um, and you had told me a little bit earlier that like you put that out to people and they there was so much negativity around the word discipline. And if you and and see, so part to me what. See, what I do in my own self, in my own practice, is it, I, I go through the exact process you just um, mentioned, which is I, I'm using a word and I, I've got an emotional reaction or I've got a, um, a working, uh, this is how I use that word, okay? And, um, or maybe it's more than one way, but it's set ways, okay? And I'm always, Every time I go to the dictionary and I look up that word, I, I, what I get usually is one is I get sort of uh, verification or some kind of like, oh, okay, I can see why I went there emotionally with it. I, I understand that. And then, but then I see that it's, it's usually got a more, uh, either the first meaning is not that meaning that the, the, the connotation or the, the, what I got from it is more secondary actually than primary. And, um, and then the word is way more um, beautiful and um, kind of embracing, embracing a, a, a broader or somehow more profound or more useful spirit than I was attaching to it, right? And, um, and then I also get what, see, this is, and this is what I think is super cool, Peg, is that I get the idea that you, you, your definition and your use of words changes and, and it's supposed to. So you're not supposed to get stuck using a word in the same way. And then it's like, oh, that triggers this in me. So that's that forever, you see? and. It's like, no, you, you, I can grow into a new uh, context of the word. And so like discipline, just it's so I'm just going to go through a few of the definitions that, of it. And so it's like um, the practice of training people to obey rules um, or a code of behavior. And, and then, so that's like that that's somewhat neutral, right? I mean, it's, it, but it can, if you're kind of rebellious and you don't like to be told what to do, then that already will throw you off, right? Because it's like trying to get people to obey rules, okay? So, 
And then, but it goes worse than that. It goes using punishment, using punishment to correct disobedience. That's discipline, right? And, um, and it's, but, so, but listen, but then here, here goes this, which is, um, it's an activity, exercise, or regimen that develops or improves a skill. Now that, that's why I like discipline. It's just simply, right? It's so simple, actually. It's just an activity or an exercise or a regimen that develops a skill. It's so beautiful, right? That, and so pertinent to what yoga is. It's just, right? Well, interesting because in my little informal Instagram survey, discipline and practice for many became synonymous. So that was something, there was some overlap there. A lot of people describe discipline as practice and practice as discipline. Right. On the, on the other hand, and I love the fact that you went to the dictionary. So isn't that what, what this Yoga Sutra is saying? It's saying, get clear. Yes. Start to take apart the threads. And part of that is looking at the definition. You went for the definition. You know where I go? To the root, where it came from. I love I am obsessed at finding where words come from so that I can understand, just like you said, I want to understand where I get this feeling from. Why does this bring this up in me? Where, you know, and I can understand it. Oh, I read the, I read the definition. I go back to look at the root and see where, how did it get here? And so like, that's what I did. And I went and it was the first one was a verb and it was treatment that corrects or punishes. So like, ew, um, and then it goes to a noun in Latin and it's much more beautiful, right? It's pupil, student, or instruction. And the idea though, what happened was is the two got blended. So it's teaching as a way to correct or punish. <laughs> you know, that's like many people associated discipline with um, fundamental parenting styles. Yeah. So you, you're going way back, like discipline a child, um, discipline your dog. I thought at least three or four people said, I have none. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is why it triggers it in me. I can't even tell you how many times I've been told I need more discipline or if only, you know, I, in fact, I can remember, so, you know what you need? discipline from college professors to yoga teachers. And, you know, I mean, obviously if there's consistency and message, there's something to be had there, but what it ended up leaving me with was not something specific, but rather a generalized judgment. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it was like something I was lacking a defect. So immediately when someone says discipline, I no longer think of the actual definition of the word. I just think of my emotional reaction. That's something I'm not. That's something I'm bad at. It's yes. something I'm supposed to be, but. Right. Yeah. And, and not. And so then when I think about it, I was like, well, actually, if we got more specific instead of less and use generalized, I thought about this in terms of me, like, why does discipline rub me wrong? And partially it's because of the emotional reaction that it comes from being told but really, 
I feel like discipline is remembering what's important and behaving in a way that reflects that. And just like um, that there's things that go into it, effort, attention. And, um, and certainly I could use a little bit more staying power. And, and so I can, I can see those, like those are skills, like you said, I can develop staying power, um, uh, attending longer, constant, you know, being more focused um, could definitely be something I could, I am constantly working on. But now it no longer sounds like something I'm just not. And some way of conformity, like you need to obey the rules or you need to like do this because I said so. It's more like, ah, oh, yeah, I, I could, I quit a little early a lot of the times. I could use a little bit more staying power. I'm working on that yeah. or concentration. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's yeah. the tapas is that the, the tapas is the friction that coming and facing yourself and going, yeah, these things are true about me. I, these are things I want to work on and it's going to take effort to work on them. It's going to take action. It's going to take, uh, all right, discipline. What do you want? I mean, yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> you know, now I can use the word discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so for me, then uh, if you look at the tapas, so tapas is, has really negative uh, in, implications, right? It, it's, it's, so it means um, penance, um, self-inflicted torture austerity right yep and um, pain suffering severe meditation uh, bodily mortification and um okay and so those are the the most negative that i in my little summary and, and which they're very negative um and they're but they see to me though it's weird how i come from it because i, I me, I tend to come from liking the word discipline and liking the word tapas. And, and, not, and I, I won't say that I feel like that with every word, but like I'm, I'm not on the side of the fence that just the word discipline scares me, right? It's more, but, and, and so, but I'm a teacher, so I partly have to understand that. But I also, I do... I have felt the negative effects of discipline and tapas in my uh, practice and in, in my teaching. And like, it's a very, um, the, it's a kind of historic place that tapas came from, you know, like yogis basically depriving themselves brutally and radically to turn away from the physical world and um and thinking that they that was it was like cruel to be kind kind of like that this was going to be an effective way to um to and to lessen your suffering actually because the attachment to um the worldly life and the desires and consumption and things that th those we can't underestimate what a strong hold uh, indulgence has on us, and 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 the harm that it brings us. And so, so to go to a place of tapas, like that, that can go all the way to this other extreme of harm and like torturing yourself. To, 
to me, I'm still going to um, entertain that concept very seriously, even though it has a deep shadow, right? And, um, and so it also means, it, it, in the more positive sense, it, it means deep meditation or concentration. And it also just means um, fire and heat and, and warmth. And, and you see, this is the other thing that I, I feel like um, I, I have a real uh, strong feeling about that um, I, I feel a bit of a pioneer in it. I maybe that's my own self-perception, I don't know. But um, I feel that, you see, the yogis of the past did their best. Okay, and, and it's always evolved um, through time. And now at the present, it's also evolving. We are evolving it. And so we don't, it's not in every sense, the, the series, the, everything that we're doing in our practice is um, not like the 10 commandments written in stone and we're trying to live up to that and they, they did it better than us in the past, or they were the full-on example, and they presented it whole. No, no, no. That, that is not it. And I mean in the, the near past, like your teacher or the, and your teacher's teacher, and way back. Okay? And, and so, but we are evolving it forward now. And so, me, I don't want a future in yoga that doesn't have the word tapas or discipline. Okay, I, I want tapas, but I, and so I'm going to remember the, the negative impulse, the, like the bed of nails and the walking for 13 years with your arm raised above your head until it's withered and things like that. Okay, we're not going to go there. Or um, doing postures and series that are totally beyond your um, genetics or your experience or very right that there's many ways we torture ourselves and we we our tapas is um not positive and and that and it will it can cause us to basically rebel against tapas and think that it's a it's something harmful or um not to be trusted and to me so we need kind of keep redefining tapas and celebrating to me, the, the most beautiful image that I, I can think of is the, the Native American, um, the, the, the vision quest. See, that's how I think of tapas. It's like you, 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 take one, you take time to go off by yourself. You don't eat and drink. It's not time for that. It's time for inward reflection and looking within yourself for your, your duty and your mission here and to get serious about what you're doing here in this life and to be able to respond to your circumstances, okay? And, th and then, and you, you go, you perform tapas to, for self-knowledge that you're going to share with the world, okay? And, and so a certain amount of restraint and, and discipline and uh, deprivation and even penance, like you have to realize the that when we go through our day, there's we're like what you're saying. There's mistakes being made that we kind of have to purify, and it, it it's real. And um, and so we want to to find the way to do that 
as a celebration and without um, inflicting harm on ourselves. Well, okay, so I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm laughing over your bed of nails analogy and the <laughs> but I am thinking to myself, you know, partially to me, tapas is like an everyday thing or hopefully not completely, but the bigger the mistake, like for example, I say something or do something that hurts someone, right? And maybe it's not my intention. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm just being small in that moment and I've done something wrong. And I know I've done it wrong. You know when you've done something wrong. Like when you've, when it is your fault, like legit, your face, I mean, you can feel it. Tapas, you don't have to explain it to me. My face gets red, my heart, I just feel awful. It is such an uncomfortable feeling when you know that you've done something wrong. Um, and I'm not talking about like, you skipped a pose in practice. I'm talking about like, you spoke and maybe out of anger or whatever, and you hurt somebody. And then you feel that like awful feeling. So you can do one of two things. Tapas to me is not escaping that feeling. That feeling is the heat of what's happened and you have to kind of stay with it and move and do what's necessary to correct it, whether it right. means owning up and taking responsibility. I know, but Peg, but right? Peg, hold on. That's, I, I, yes, yes, but see, but this is, but practice, you see practice, basically gives you the strength and the power to not escape. Okay, so you can't just expect that you'll do it, you'll do that. See, that's, that practice is like a training to do that and that's where, where it can derail. Yeah, just because you have to check your, I mean, no, it, yeah, you have to check your impulses, right? And, um, because I hear you, I'm, I'm with you, that definitely tapas is the non-escaping when you either want to lash out or sort of misbehave in some way and you're going to hurt somebody or yourself, um, or you've done it and then you don't, you got to like look at it, right? Um, but it's also, there's, it's, it's, it's a preparation for having the power to do that. I feel like too. Not, you know, I, right? Because, uh, yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely think it's that. Yes, I do think it's that time set aside. I think it's that mindful, whether it's a physical practice, it's, it's in many ways. I think that you have to set that time aside. I think it's important that we sit with those things or, and you practice those things, maybe. I feel like the asana practice is a little less threatening. Like you can practice it in an asana practice and you know, you haven't really harmed anybody. You can like see those things come up, feel the heat of the moment, your need to escape or your wanting, whatever those things are. Yeah, yeah. And you can work them out on a mat, but they're a little less like, uh, yeah, they're a little, they're, they're actually a little less heated than when you've actually. Yeah. Done. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and but, but, and they, but they have to have some heat behind them too. Like both, like that, right? When you, you practice, you have to be attached to it enough so that it raises up those kind of feelings in you that would cause you to 
want to do something that needs correction <laughs> or, or the no, so you, but that's, that's what you're saying you get used to it that yeah. friction has to be in that every day there is friction i get that yeah. you know there is that friction yeah <laughs> all right i'm okay. gonna i'm gonna throw out our next word because and i'm gonna actually tell a story around it to introduce it okay the next word is going to be modification Okay. And modification, when it was interesting because my husband's uh, word when I said modification was, you know, just simply a synonym. I think he said adaptive. Um, but I remember modification, many people responded with limited, don't, um, yeah, like, the, and then a lot of like permission, like we should be giving permission, they're necessary, it's innate, blah. but you can tell that when you get to the yogis, there's a whole bunch of shit tied up with, with when we say modification, it brings up, even the word adaptive brings up a lot of things for people. I remember this very clearly, I don't know if you'll remember it or not, but about six or seven years ago, I was in the yoga room with you in the Mysore room, and I... I was practicing next to a friend and we wanted to know how we could exit the Viparita Dandasana. Like we wanted some help with that. So we asked you, hey, can you tell us how? And you said, oh, and you said we could, you gave us some options, could use a block. And I remember you walking away and my friend saying, I'm not using no fucking block. And with that, she did the exit perfectly. And I was like, yeah. I'm not using no freaking block. And I fell on my back. So, <laughs> so totally didn't work for me. And it was, and, and then I think that next day you asked me not to practice next to my friend anymore. Um, probably a really, <laughs> in fact, it was the, it, we got separated. Um, it was a funny story because I'm remembering, but that is sort of, the idea I'm watching my dad who needs to use a walker and will not. There is something about that idea of using something, even though my dad is handicapped, has been for a long time. He's also 86 or 85, 86 now. He's like, I mean, a walker would help him get around. We could actually do more if he would use the walker. But for him, it is that idea, it triggers the limitation it highlights something that he sees as a deficit and and that is by the way not how the dictionary defines modification at all yeah um it just says right the act of altering in character form or function and then that's the old of course you know i went with the root word that's what the old way was and then modern times says that we alter it usually to make it work better. Yep. So like, it's not just, so, but you say modification in there, a lot of circles, not just yoga circles. I just gave you two, you know, my, you know, my dad and, um, and you get this like feeling of there's something wrong with me. If I have to modify, alter, whatever, it shows I am limited or not doing it correct. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, I'm just, I'm so bummed that it has that implication. I'm, it, and my, so much of my teaching is directed at um, 
well i try i mean me partly it's reversing that but also it's it, more than that because that's sort of no it's the no part of it the yes part is the is what i focus on is like the all the advantages that you get by modifying and um and i i want if you don't mind i want to i could speak a little bit about that because it's super um important to me please do um, so um well, I just love the, for one thing, it's, it's like what you said, a modification is simply something that has changed slightly, especially to improve it or make it more um, acceptable or less extreme. See, less extreme is such a good- uh, I like that. Very, very important um, thing. And so the thing is, is that what I, the, that, what I, how I approach the postures is for one, I, they're literally, they don't make it into the series or like into common use over a long period of time, like, or one of the criterion that makes them last, like triangle and shoulder stand and Janu Shirshasana, you know, Navasana, is that they are impossible to perfect okay so and that of course we all have our like strong poses where we can sort of approach uh, an ideal and then we have our weaker poses and um but the 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 thing is is that the asana no matter who you are forces you to make concessions Okay, and so a concession is something given in recognition of a difficulty. Okay, and so, so what happens is that we all concede something. So we don't, we don't do a pose with perfect alignment, uh, perfect lines, perfect breathing. And, and so we end up doing something. We modify it, we adjust and we, and so, if you, if you throw out the word modification, then you do what I call modifying by default. You just, you're, you do what your body does. And then, and you assume that that's the best way to do it. And, and so, but to me, what I've seen is that the best way to do it is to choose your concessions. Oh, there it is. Okay, and so, so this is beautiful. Okay, because, because what, and what I have found is that most people can get what I call the essence, the swarupa, and you could almost even call it the shabda, that word that's in this sutra, because it's, it's getting at the core, the root of it. And, and what we, but what we end up doing is focusing on the superficial details, the, the ones that I'm ready to concede much faster than average. Um, and because I want to get to this essence and, um, and then, then I am free to um, see, because it, get back to what you said, Peg, which is that people don't want to modify because they feel that then they're a failure or that they're cheap. They're they less than that, that now they don't get to do a good or they can't do a good version of the pose or something, you see. And and to me, um, see, I'm not graced with 
one of these super strong, super flexible bodies. Okay, and so that is partly like, and I might have a whole different philosophy if I was, but me, I, I have to work very hard and make a lot of concessions. And so to me, but what I have found is this beautiful perfection within the modifications that I do. And I wanna um, read to you the definition of ideal because this is key in the whole um, subject of modification. Okay. I knew you were gonna get to ideal. <laughs> okay, so, but an ideal, it, so of course, and it's one of those negative words that people, basically many people wanna just throw it out. The moment they hear it, they hear perfectionism, they hear an external standard that they need to li live up to and that they're always gonna um, not feel adequate around, okay? But listen to this. This is the first definition of ideal, too. This is the right off the top of the list. It is, listen, this is so beautiful. Satisfying one's conception, one's conception of what is perfect, most suitable, or what constitutes very good. That is all. It's just, it's satisfying your conception. It's not an outer conception. It's your conception of what constitutes perfect or um, most suitable or suitable. It's suitable. Yes. Or just if it's perfect too much for you, then what's very good? Yeah. You see, and this is. I love this. And you see, like, this is my whole practice. This is how I operate. I, and I, so I do conceive of the ideal. I, I do conceive of, I, 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 I apply a standard. Okay. And, and what is a standard? It's just simply a level of quality or, or an attainment. And it's an idea or a thing used to measure. Okay, and so this is practice. And what's amazing to me is like, so like binding in a twist, okay? To me, the, I, I may not grab my arm around my back in Marichiasana Sea. And, and yet I don't, I don't have a problem making that concession. And because to me, the perfection is in how I ground my legs and how I um, work with my arms in relation to my legs and how I rotate my spine. Now there I can find this beauty and this amazing uh, 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 kind of objective in practice, right? Yes, but what you're saying is conscious. So I like what you would start off with modifications, adaptations, they happen inevitably. We, our body is, we are constantly adapting. Yeah. I mean, our bodies do it physiologically. There's, you know, a climatization, like our bodies will naturally um, habituate, acclimatize to outside variables. And some of that is like important naturally, but also in the yoga practice, we will naturally adapt 
our bodies will will do what we're going to do but to make it conscious and i can give a good example you know oftentimes we have this idea in back bending right like you know we we're we're trying to achieve something or or make a shape or whatever and you'll see legs go really wide or how about this this is a good one jump throughs when we make our hands super wide because we're trying to get our legs through our hands, our body through our hands. We think by making our arms super wide, but it's unconscious. People just do it over and over and it can wreck your shoulders, right? And over time, taking your hands super wide outside your shoulders is going to put some damage there over the wear and tear, but it's not conscious. It's unconscious. It's like this idea that I want to get my body through. So, so your body is adapting to achieve some kind of um, arbitrary ideal. All right. Like that, cause that's not a real ideal from what you just explained. And that is an outside, like, this is the way it's done. But if you modify, like, maybe it's like you bring your hands to where they need to be under your shoulders, but maybe your feet don't go all the way through at first. They don't go smoothly. Like you have to like get to the place where you can and then move them through. That is a deliberate, or maybe you put your hands on blocks a few times, you know, or whatever it is, but you do it consciously Yeah. because Right. And that which was it's not an unconscious thing that becomes a habit that your body is adapting unconsciously, but a conscious adaptation. Yeah. And that is suitable for you. Exactly. And you can also make it can make you feel better if you're like. So you got to use blocks to jump through with your arms, the proper distance apart and but and that's and you can go and that's a concession. Darn it. Like, but it, but it's like, okay, but what's the alternative? So, right. It's like, if you know, you're going to make a concession, then at least you can, it is darn it. You wish you could do it. Perfect. Of course you have the ultimate strength and flexibility, but, but you don't. And so, so, and this is the thing though, that I, I really appreciate about this sutra and, um, and, and just that idea of satisfying your own conception, you see, and and when so this that sanyama, it really that's the spirit of that word, um, right? It's two words like samastitihi sam and yama, like the yama, the first limb, the restraint, and so it's like complete restraint, or um, it's like this very deep focus, and. Um, and that is what you are doing in your practice with all the different uh, transitions, the asanas, and you know how you get into the asana, what you do when you're in it. But and but then it and then it goes to the your language, your the words that you're using, and the, the way that you're communicating in the world, and how you really are going to. Take a deep analysis, a deep observation, and a, a, a deep commitment to growing and to uh, kind of expanding into newer, new and larger kind of um, expressions of these things, right? You know, and it's not just as students. I was thinking as a teacher, and I'm not talking about as a yoga teacher, like as a teacher in previous life, what you're taught is to modify your own behavior. The goal was for learning. So 
even as a teacher, you modify, you know, the way you say something, you say it different ways, you offer different ways some people can learn. You're not going with your own personal mode of operation or your own unique experience with it because it's bigger than that. And so you continually modify your language and your teaching approach as to help someone else. I mean, that's the teaching role too. I mean, yeah. And you would think we would do these things so, and we do do them so naturally. It's just, and, and David, this is the sad part, is that we are out of time as far as the next word. And the next word, of course, you know what it is, it's tradition. That's that next word. And, and that's going to, that would, that could take us. No, I know. I have to tell you one more thing though. Go, please. Okay. So, because this is so amazing about <laughs> the, the whole thing that I, uh, the, that I want to um, try to, you remember I opened this by saying that, you, so you can, you can look at the word in terms of what is its deepest yoga sutra application. It's, you know, and listen to this idea of um, shabda of the word okay and um, and the 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 next one arta that, to me I see that it's like a, a ladder okay so that the pratyaya is like your conviction or your belief and it it's like your ascertainment of the the meaning of the word and so it's the most um, gross and then you're stepping through to to the meaning. Uh, to a, a more deeper meaning that's not um, your personal meaning, it's the meaning. It's a more broad kind of uh, objective meaning. Uh, but then the Shabda's the, the root, that's the, it's like the thing before you attach any words to it, right? And, and so, but the whole thing is directed towards um, Dharma, if it's a spiritual thing, okay? Because you're always trying to find the the deepest kind of most profound application of language and we're not we're not here just to play around we're not here for random purposes in these bodies for our time we're here to do good things and to help shape a better world and to um, serve others and define these spiritual principles and live by them right and so um like listen to this um Oh, just shabda. It means, well, for one, it means verbal communication or verbal testimony, but it goes further. It's, it's, it says that knowledge of dharma, knowledge of your dharma, it can only be attained by um, verbal testimony, by the medium of language. Okay, and so this is the deep connection between the asana practice that we're doing that is, could be, it's silent, right? You're not talking, but you have to go ahead and take that stuff that you learn and verbalize it. You actually have to put it into language. You have to use your voice, okay? And um, one other, sorry, I'm, I'm almost done, but I, I have to just tell you one other thing about it. Because- no, This is good stuff, keep going. Yeah. Um, you see, this is another, listen to this. So it goes as far as saying that the verbal testimony is the only means of right knowledge um, that can be used 
to know the nature of the invisible effects of actions. Okay, so see, this is the thing is like, and you see just the fact that we're into yoga, uh, asanas, peg, it, many of us, it, we're more introverted and we are not as given to language. Okay, and, but this, and this represents a super frontier though, that we, we have to battle within ourselves to find the words and to really define our words and define our communications and develop them. And, and with the idea of getting to the most deepest parts of ourselves and um, in our own self and in our sharing. And, um, and one last thing is that the, um, the word Arta, I just wanna, it's it, what's amazing about it is that it's it's it means like the true sense or the meaning, but it also means treasury in terms of what is helpful to humanity. And it's born from Dharma and Buddhi. And Buddhi is the intel your your intelligence. Okay, and so so we're not and we've sort of we've been saying this all along, but we're just pointing it out that you're you're trying to evolve with your words and your language and get to a higher place as a human being and, and, and represent all of humanity in that and help it, helping shift it and getting us all to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was awesome. That's what, I mean, I think right there is, is there's so many, so many things to explore but i love that we just took two words just two simple words and yeah just really uncovered layers and talked about it and 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 that's what that's what it's saying is that we need to dive deep into those and be deliberate and because that opens up our ability to communicate and make meaning and bring meaning and that's able to be creative and playful with it mm -hmm. yeah well, for, for the podcast, I guess we can call that a, 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 a to be continued. Yeah. yeah, yeah to be <laughs> Let's continued. call it a to be continued. Yeah.